Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This show is brought to you by Miami Grill. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you big favorites from big cities, featuring authentic ingredients prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, burgers, and more. Don't just bring dinner home, bring home Miami. Order online or in person. Pickup, drive through dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it. Bringing Miami Grill home has never been easier. With locations all over South Florida, check MyMiamiGrill.com to find yours. That's MyMiamiGrill.com to find Miami Grill. While we're in the middle of this booming real estate market of South Florida, you may be looking to purchase a new house or refinance your current one. You can make sure that you have an attorney-owned title company handle your contract and close for the low price of $295. Reach out to our good friend Seltzer Mayberg. Give them a call at 305-444-1565 and mention 5 Reason Sports in order to get that $295 closing fee on all purchases and refinances. So go ahead and purchase or refinance that house knowing that you'll have an attorney reviewing and handling your closing for $295 when you mention 5 Reason Sports. You can also visit their website at onecalllegal.com where they'll be able to assist you with any of your legal needs, whether it's a divorce or a car accident or slip and fall. Everything is in-house and they're ready to help you with whatever you may need an attorney for. That is 305-444-1565 Seltzer Maidberg. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, bestever.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. Bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real-life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, Ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Bestever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T-E-V-R. Dot com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, this show is brought to you by Biscayne Bay Brewing. Get it at Publix, Total Wine, or have it delivered to you via Instacart. Also by Price Picks, use their promo code 5, that's the word 5, for a match bonus up to $100. Check out their new rookie production over-unders. One very interesting one is Najee Harris, over or under 935 yards? That doesn't matter to us, but it matters, I guess, to Steelers fans. I would say under. Under. Take under. And, of course, Manscaped, use the promo code 5RSN, 20% off your entire order. I guess I'll ask you guys there, you know, since they're our sponsor. 935 yards, Najee Harris, over under, Simon? Over. Really? Okay. Uh-huh. Chris? 
you know, I'm conservative. I'll go under just because so many things can go wrong in a football season. All right. Well, if if we're going over, I guess we have our rookie of the year for Simon. Uh, <laughs> Dolphins at number six. Cal Pitts was not on the board. And the choice that we talked about for months materialized. It was one of the two Alabama receivers. And they went, I guess, the other way. <laughs> to, to put it as as bluntly as possible, uh, your thoughts, Simon? Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith? Mistake or could be a win-win all around? Um, you can't call it a mistake because they've never played a down in the NFL. So you know, um, I, the Dolphins will obviously be judged forevermore by what happens to well, both to Devonta Smith because that was the option that they had on the board at the time. So if, if Devonta goes on and has a Hall of Fame career and, and Jalen struggles, the Dolphins will be judged by that. And then ultimately they'll be judged by the fact they had the three spot and moved out of it. So whatever Pitts and Chase do, they'll also be judged because people will look back with hindsight uh, and say that they should have stayed where they were and, uh, and taken one of the other two. So it's a kind of a, a lose-lose situation unless Waddle really does <laughs> light up there. For me personally, I would have taken Smith over Waddle. I understand the decision. Um, I, I, I think I was the most disappointed of the three of us that we took Wardle, and that's not a, that's not a knock against Jalen at all because he, he's a terrific player. Just for me, I would have taken Smith. You know, I, I, I'm always going to side on. As I said last week, I'm always going to side with the technician, the, the that hands route running combo. Um, you know, the athleticism, the fact that he is such a such a refined route runner um, that you can move him out all over the formation. We'll just have to see what happens with 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 Jalen. You know, he is. You know, we've talked about it. I wrote in the draft book. He is that kind of Tyreek Hill cheat code, and uh, and the Tyreek Hill comparison was out there all weekend. He's the most explosive player in the draft. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens and and what they're going to do with him and where they're going to move him about to and how they're going to get in the ball. You know, hopefully it'll be jet sweeps and orbit re- reverses and tunnel screens and. And things like that. And, you know, you can't argue with the explosiveness, the change of direction, the quicks, the lateral quicks, the instincts, and a guy that could win at all three levels. So, um, you know, it'll, um, it'll be an interesting thing to see how it plays out. And I, I wish him all the best. He's, uh, you know, he's the Alan Iverson of the draft and we shall see what happens. Yeah. That's a good, and we that's talk, a good we, comp. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, it's a good or, or bad comp, depending on who you talk to, right? All right. Yeah, because Allen Iverson doesn't have a lot of fans. Well, he has a lot of fans, but he has some that are vociferously against his style or his brand don't, of basketball. Don't talk trash about my Georgetown guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we talked about it on the run-up. You know, it's it's hard to justify, but I guess, you know, Chris Greer is pretty secure in his job, you know. <laughs> it's hard to justify when you're, you know, taking – the teammate of the guy that wins the Heisman, the the teammate of the guy who's clearly had a better career for the last three years at Alabama. So, you know, you got to have your reasons. Chris, uh, you I, I thought you were best on Twitter explaining how and why those reasons could come about. And sure enough, they materialized. They took Jalen Waddle. They took, well, now I'm not going to say your guy, but how you mm-hmm. thought they could go. Why did they go that way? Well, I, I explained it on, on Twitter a lot. Um, first of like, I think there's one thing about the draft and it's always, it happens every year. I'm guilt. I'm more guilty of it than most. And it's, 
the more we get invested in the draft, the more we get in work we do on it. I think the more um, we lose a little bit of a flavor, a little bit of flavor uh, for the draft when, you know, they don't, they don't take our favorite guy or they don't, you know, they don't have the strategy that, um, that, you know, we would have personally cooked up. And, um, you know, the more, I think the more work you do on it, the more, the more that ends up happening. But um, in this case, you know, so, so would, would I have taken Devonta Smith? Yeah, sure. I would have taken Devonta Smith. Do I care that they took Jalen Waddle? Do I care that they took um, Jalen Phillips? Do I care? You know, we'll get, we'll go down the line. No, because um, I was thinking about it the other day I, and, and it wasn't true of me this year because I, I saw a big theme with all of their picks. And this is, this is getting to Jalen Waddle too is the immediate 2021 impact of all of this, uh, this class. And, um, and, you know, I'm so tired of being irrelevant for two decades that I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. mind, (laughs) you know, I really don't mind that. I don't mind. Like Mm -hmm. we've got the head coach that we all believe in. We've got the quarterback that all three of us anyway, all believed in, you know, believed was an elite level quarterback prospect. I mean, we didn't even necessarily think that about Tannehill when he was coming out. Um, you know, we've got, we've got players, we've got, uh, you know, confidence on that. The defense knows what they're doing. You know, the future's now I want, I want the Super Bowl now. Like this is, that's what, that's the position that they're in right now. And, um, and I, I sort of think back to, uh, to back in the, remember the early two thousands with the Wanstead days and you know how it was, it, it was kind of maddening at the time, but it was like, you know, every year it was like, we're just an inch away. We're just looking for, we're, we're scrounging through the couch for loose change to, you know, to, to get that extra inch or, or get us over the hump, over the hump, always about that. You know, this year it's, it's, it's junior say or it's, you know, we need a nickel corner instead of a quarterback because that'll help us, you know, right now, right now. And um, Ricky Williams and, you know, all, everything's about getting over the hump. And, and it was maddening back there, but I kind of miss it. <laughs> I kind of miss it now because, because we were, it was that way because we were relevant. We haven't won a playoff game since the Clinton administration. And, and so, yeah. I, you know, I don't care that the Dolphins went for the guy because I look at Jalen Waddle and I'm, I see immediate impact. I see more immediate impact even than Devonta Smith. You know, is Devonta Smith the guy that I think, um, you know, when all is said and done, 15 years from now uh we're gonna is is more likely to be fitted for that um that that ultra ultra slim very tiny gold jacket um yeah yeah i I think so uh but at the same time is he the guy that's going to impact the dolphins the most and the best in 2021 i'm not sure that's true i think jalen waddle might do it more because he's going to affect the defense before before they even throw him the ball a single time um, I think that his speed is so scary, his explosiveness and change of direction and um, instincts with the ball in his hands. I mean, he has instincts like a running back with the ball in his hands, and then he has the speed and agility and explosiveness to make things happen that just, you know, jaw dropping. So I think that he affects the defense before you even send the ball in his direction. I don't think Devonta Smith necessarily affects the defense before you send the ball in his direction. And we talked about Kyle Pitts. We talked about how um, because of what a mismatch player he is, he gets the defense to declare things like um, he helps you dictate to the defense and get them to declare things and make it easier on the quarterback. Well, the only other player in this draft that could do that is Jalen Waddle because of his explosiveness and, and the speed and the fear 
that you have to have because of that. You you can dictate to the defense with Jalen Waddle with where you line him up, especially if you have Will Fuller as on the field as well. So I think those were two players that um, that you could that you could make that sort of impact right away, and um, and and so I don't I don't mind I don't care like you know one one my number one guy necessarily I don't care no, not not a care in the world about it. Um, I think he's going to be exciting. I think we're all going to be pretty happy about it. Yeah, and Devonta Smith wearing that that very rare thirty eight long gold jacket, fifteen years <laughs> from now. <laughs> <laughs> the the very rare 38 long yeah it, it, i guess you could I, I guess they bought it right do you think and and we can move off of number six overall because i think we we all made we all had our lists and Jalen waddle was on that you know i can't be mad list like i think Rashawn slater was on the yeah i'm pissed off list and mm-hmm. you know for some of us you know especially me penny Sewell would have been one of those like you know really we're doing this now guys list but otherwise mm-hmm. you know we had our list of the guys that we were pretty happy with so i guess we could leave number six at this if devonta smith weighed 185 pounds is he the pick at six chris no i don't think he is i, oh, okay. I think that i believe so and we can all make a choice about whether we believe this or not, but we had several sources come out immediately after the draft and say that Jalen Waddle was their top wide receiver overall on the whole board. Mm. You know, Jamar Chase, not Jamar Chase, not Devonta Smith. It was Jalen Waddle. Um, I believe that. I, I actually do believe that. Um, I think it jives with things that I had been hearing beforehand. I think even jives with some things that, we had that Simon had been hearing that, um, that, that others had been hearing beforehand. I really believe that. So I don't believe that Devonta Smith would have been the pick if you were 185 pounds. I think that this was about the explosiveness because just because he's 185 pounds doesn't mean he was more explosive, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that this was ultimately about the, what they felt was very rare explosiveness uh, in an offensive player. And um, and I think that they wanted that really badly. You agree, Simon? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Look, it's, the game's about stretching the field. It's about you know, it's about creating mismatches. It's about getting skill position players in a position to to score points. And that's what they've done in the off season. You know, you look at whether that's a Hunter Long, whether that's a Will Fuller. You know, that's obviously Jalen. We'll talk about the running back position you know, and um, a couple of trades that they tried to make and, and didn't. But, you know, they are putting their quarterback in the best possible position now to win games. The, the lack of excuses or the, the number of excuses in terms of those skill position players is beginning to, to dissipate for Tua. And, um, you know, he's got to build a resume now with these guys and Wadda will be an incredibly integral part of that. And um, let's hope he's on the field often and early uh, and gets the ball often and early. Uh, you know, I do. Um, I completely agree with Chris when we talk about um, gold jackets, and it would strike me that Devonta Smith has more chance of it, just given the body of work and 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 how the body types in terms of you know there aren't that many five nine hundred eighty one pound wide receivers in the Hall of Fame. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. I, I think it's imperative that he, for the success of this team, it's imperative that he is. Um, contributing early, you know. I don't think that we can have a kind of a John Ross kind of. Yeah, you know, he's got to be 
contributing from the get-go because otherwise this team is going to struggle. He's got to get on the field. They've got to get him the ball. They've got to find him ways to get the ball, whether that's in the mm. backfield, whether that's on reverses. Mm. He has to become an integral part of this offense very, very quickly if this team is to succeed. Because if he's, you know, if he's got six catches by week eight or thirteen catches by week eight, then they're not doing a good enough job of getting in the mm. football. What, why are you bothering drafting him if you're not going to get in the football? He he has to become now the centrifugal focus of this offense. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, he has that to. That would be a massive failure. That would be yeah, a massive he has failure. To become, he has to become. He has to become a ten touch guy. Like they got to figure out ways to get him the ball. And third and four should be easier. Like he should make things easier on third and four. Like that's something that it should happen now with Jalen Waddle. All right, now moving on in the draft, eighteen comes upon us, and wow, is that board wide open? And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? They could trade down here, but they run that that card up and they take Jalen mm. Phillips. Simon, first of all, your thoughts. Second of all, you know, that's another guy we had on our list of guys that were kind of likely at 18. And to be fair, Chris actually nailed both picks. Mm. Okay. I think yeah. um, for me, I would have gone Smith and Quitty Pay. Um, just because, and I talked about this pre the draft, in that the year is so discombobulated, it's such a strange year that I probably would have gone high floor rather than high ceiling. Mm. I think what we've done is taken two high ceiling players, and that's absolutely fine. You know, Chris Greer has made a swing for the fences, essentially. You know, he's and he's a guy that you know. Uh, I'm not a baseball fan, but uh, he's a guy that would, you know, Chris Greer often comes across as a guy that would sort of bunt or a guy that would, you know. Mm. He's not gonna get. He's not gonna try and hit. He's not Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. A, a he's trying to manufacture runs instead of just getting yeah bunches. He's happy to get to second base and you know <laughs> and then let's see if we can. Do you know what I mean? It's he's not yeah. really uh, swinging, swinging, swinging. So he's very much baseball the in the seventies yeah. rather than he's, the game today. He yeah, stays but, exactly in the middle of the road at all. The middle, times. Of the, yeah. He's he's middle lane all the yeah. way, cruise control, seventy <laughs> miles an hour, and that's fine. Well, he bought a Ferrari. He bought two Ferraris in the first round, really. And he's in the outside lane and he's got a couple of strippers with him and he's got his foot <laughs> to the floor and a, and a bag of cocaine in the back seat because he is going balls out. Um, you know, and that's fine. I, look, Phillip, yeah, I mean, come on. Phillips is a really, really good player. And we've talked about all, how all three of us like him. I thought he was the best. I think he is the best all around defensive end. You know, he's not the quickest. He's not the strongest. He's not the toughest. He's not the best against the run. But you combine all that he brings, and he is the the best. He's the total package. I personally preferred Pay, um, but I only personally prefer Quitty Pay because of the off field issues that really concern me about Jalen Phillips. You know the and you know as soon as you mention it, you get sixty Hurricanes fans. Well, you know he didn't show an issue when he was in Miami, so shut the fuck up. And it's like, all right, Chief. You know, he retired from football, buddy. Well, he retired from football to get away from uh, to get away from Chip Kelly. No, mate, he retired from football because he had three major concussions, had a bike accident with two uh, two wrist operations. Yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Limey. It's like, okay, thanks, buddy. Appreciate your support. Um, so yeah, I think he's a really good player. He's gonna again. He's another that's gonna have to contribute early. And it sounds like a complete misnomer, but. Um, these guys have to contribute early. If this team is to fulfill the um, all the hope and the hype now that's come off the back, you know, pretty much everybody university has given the Dolphins an A and said how amazingly they did. Well, you know, that's a lot of pressure on these two kids and they've got to show up and they've got to play early and they've got to perform early at a high level. So for me, I'd have gone high floor. 
the Dolphins went high ceiling and I can't criticise that. It just didn't jive with what I would have done. But I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at what they did. And I think, you know, these two players could really, really work out and could be really special. Yeah, and you could tell as soon as they took him, the, the look on Flores' face, like, you know, like oh you could tell he had it on, it, like, on a post-it note, like, you know, hey, this we should call there. it. We should call it his Raekwon face because that's what he pulled last year when we drafted Raekwon Davis. So, you know, he, he had the moody bitch face when uh, Jay, it was like, yeah, hi, Jalen, it's coach. Yeah, good luck. We'll see you soon. Put the phone down. And then with Jalen Phillips, it was like, hey. He was like, hey, he was like, smiling. He was like giddy. Yeah, what are you doing for like, lunch tomorrow? You know, yeah, I, have a, like, I have a great a, seafood place we could check yeah, out. Yeah, there's a draft going on, but half an hour for dinner? You know, it's like, easy, Tiger. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's a nice toy. It's a nice toy. And, you know, he's a kid that could get 10, 12, you know, he could be in the mix in that sort of 10, 12 TJ Watt kind of sacks per season area. He's that kind of player if he can put it all together, if he can stay healthy. Uh, Because they're going to get him, you know, schematically, the the scheme will help manufacture him, you know, tackles for loss and sacks he's um but he can get to the quarterback himself he doesn't need that manufacturing which is great but um he's just got to stay healthy that's the one thing that really worries me it's, yeah, I mean, chris, it scares the shit out of me frankly yeah chris, <laughs> chris and i were, were we were on the on the that marathon show uh on the five reasons youtube account and we were talking about uh trace armstrong simon and i know you remember trace armstrong mm, that absolutely. year where he had the 16 and a half sacks and he was barely playing any snaps a game. You know, Phillips no, is the guy yeah. that can fill up that that stat sheet by not by playing merely maybe twenty snaps a game, which is likely what he's going to play because they, they have a pretty stocked defensive line. I would say you know thirty snaps a game maybe, but Chris, like that would, that your thoughts because be you you mocked him to to the Dolphins at eighteen. You think that thirty snaps is a lot? I, I'm 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 thinking that's, more like fifteen to twenty. That's a that's a you know that's a that's a five hundred snaps player you know and that's yeah. that's that's quite a bit. Um, you know th- that would be no that would be a nice that would be a nice year for a rookie, um, even at eighteen overall. I think that um, it's it's kind of funny how this uh, ceiling floor thing goes because you know I always I always think about it and think about that in particular that that idea in in a little bit a couple of different ways um, because there's always a couple of different ways that you can think about it. It's high floor in that he impacts the team right away in 2021. You know, Um, it's, you know what, you know that he's going to give you good football in 2021. And, and this is, this is, I said this about, you know, Jalen Waddle and it's, it's true of most of the picks they made on that, that first and second day. Um, This is all about, this is all, this isn't about 2029 or 2028 you know this is this is about 2021 and and i think that jalen phillips gives you that i think very powerful football minds out there were huge jalen Watt or jalen phillips fans um so you know that that's a comforting thing he's 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 a phenomenal athlete you know he, he went out there he depending on whose watch you're looking at he ran in the four fours at a you know very big size very big you know wingspan um and uh and just general uh, his agility measures everything everything checked out perfectly he's he's a very strong athlete very good athlete and yet when you really dissect his film you also see like you also see this is a guy that knows how to set people up and and execute 
you know, throughout the game and, uh, and really find, really find what's going to work against this, uh, this blocker. And I think that that's, that's sort of a little bit unusual to get that combination of the, the physically superior guy, but also, you know, he's, he's showing that sort of feel. Um, so this is, this is, I think, a guy that's the most prepared of any of those edge players to impact the team in 2021, and that's what they were looking for. So in that way, I kind of think of it as high floor because the floor starts right away. You know, the floor starts with what you're going to get right now. And, um, and I think that that's, uh, that's where they're going with that. And, I think I, I, and, and yet at the same time, as Simon described, so much medical stuff with, with him so much with him that it's it's a chancy pick <laughs> you know the, i i thought i predicted it to them because i thought once they got jalen waddle and once they uh they they make that first pick in the draft they may feel like they can roll the dice a little bit and um and try and go for something big and and so it's like um that's that's where i see jalen phillips fitting in as well because you know if he goes his whole, whole career and this this concussion thing is just never never pops up again then what a home run you got right Mm -hmm. uh how much of a chance is how likely is that to happen i i don't know but um but yeah so i i think that uh i think that's a really good pick for miami it's a it's a right now pick it's going to impact the team right now he's going to slide right into shaq lawson's position um either you know either shaq lawson's position which which would require require jalen to actually move because he's more of a left side guy at um, the University of Miami, and Shaq Lawson was more of a right side guy. Um, so either Emmanuel Agba, who's who hasn't really played on the right side since his rookie year as a outside linebacker with the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, either he's going to end up moving a little bit more to the right side, or Jalen Phillips is. Um, I'm not sure which one that it is that which one it'll be it'll it'll shake out in camp I'm sure but um but he plays right away he plays well right away he can sack the quarterback right away and pressure the passer he's perfect for the system I think it's just a a real you know home run pick if you just hold your nose close your eyes and don't think about any of that concussion stuff um yeah. so yeah you know that's and that's what it is and then, I mean he's a top he's a top 10 he's a top 10 pick wasn't he without yeah without yeah. the injuries yeah, I mean, some people thought he was like a top three or top five. I'm not sure about that. No, if you know, personally, I think he's a top ten guy if with, with a clean mm-hmm. bill of health. That's what I thought he was say. better than Quiddy Pay personally on a football field. Um, I thought that uh, you know, I thought there was attractiveness about Jason Owe, you know, that even sort of outstrips uh, Jalen Phillips, but he wouldn't be ready to do that right away. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, so that would actually be, a, in some ways, a chancier, you know, from a fo- pure football standpoint, a chancier pick to go with Jason Owe. Um, and yet he doesn't have the health issues. So, you know, that's – so, um, yeah, again, I'm not going to nitpick anything here because I want to win right now. It's right now for me. And, um, and this is a right now player. Yeah. And as day one concluded, everybody was, you know, everybody was celebrating these two picks. Everybody loved it. And then day two came around. And this is when it got really, really interesting. Because pick 35 comes around and there's a trade. And for whatever reason, the Broncos are trading in front of the Miami Dolphins who sit there at 36. And I'm thinking to myself, Melvin Gordon's still there, isn't he? And is Philip Lindsay there? No, he, they got rid of him. So what are they doing here? And they take Javonta Williams. 
Dolphins come up at 36. They take Javon Holland, safety, out of Oregon. Uh, I guess comment on both, Simon, your thoughts on what transpired at 35. And if you can answer, because I think this this has gone back and forth between beat writers and uh, uh, Denver Bronco beat writers and and insiders and back and forth. Who would have been taken at 36 if it presented with the chance, Javonta Williams or Javon Holland? But, you know, I guess give your overall thoughts on the whole situation around 35, 36 and then on the player. Um, So I am. I mean, look, who knows? Who knows anything, frankly? Um, I am of the um, I'm led to believe that the Dolphins tried to trade back into the first round to take Travis Etienne. after Najee Harris was taken. Um, Heard down back, Travis Etienne. Yeah, I was told. <laughs> a wide receiver as well. Yeah. Um, I was told about 10 days ago, and I put it in the WhatsApp group, that um, the Dolphins were targeting Waddle and Etienne as offensive skill position players. Um, and we all, all three of us have been told that the Dolphins tried to move back into the first round um, and could get no luck. Um, I don't know whether or not they thought Javonta Williams was the guy or not. It's very convenient for them to say, look, he wasn't the guy anyway, you know, because it, then it makes it look like they weren't outfoxed. I, I suspect they probably were outfoxed. Um, I, I can't see anything in Javonta Williams's game that would make them think he couldn't be the guy for us, especially when you go back to last year and, you know, the fact that they were going to take a JK Dobbins, the, the Jonathan Taylor, all that sort of thing, I, you know, so, but what I also do know and, uh, as Omar Kelly mentioned to me last week, that uh, he uh, he was told that the Dolphins were very much after a safety. Um, and I had obviously been told about uh, Asante Samuel. So there was clearly a defensive back on the on the radar. And, and sometimes it kind of, the most obvious is sort of under your nose because we ended up drafting um, a kind of a guy that's going to fill that I think probably end up filling the Patrick Chung role. Um and such an important integral part of that Patriot defense. I, I absolutely love Javon Holland, and I thought the Dolphins smashed out of the park on day two. Um, Holland to me was the number one safety in the draft. Although actually, if we um, if we're honest, he didn't play an awful lot of safety. Um, you know, I, I went back and looked at my notes. I watched seven games of his um, probably about this time last year, and I, I can't think that I saw more than about three snaps of him playing from deep safety. No, that's accurate. Um, you know, it was very, very few. It was very, very few. Yeah, he was he was a slot corner, essentially. Actually. Yeah, he was. And, and a really good and, one. And a box yeah. and a box safety. And but a box he wasn't safety. just slot. Yeah. Yeah. But he can play single high, you know, because it's the ball skills, it's the instincts that I absolutely love. Um, you know, he's got a safety's brain and a safety's mindset. And I I always thought watching him just how well he read the game, his understanding of what he was doing the fact obviously he's a plus athlete he's twitchy he's explosive he's a great tackler he's clearly cerebral he's an intelligent guy because he can line up in different positions and do different things he plays well in space he gets off blocks to make tackles he's an excellent tackler as I met he's a he's a hitter um yeah he's a ball player yeah he gets his hands on a lot of footballs he understands coverages and it was clear watching him that he organized that entire duck secondary pre-snap so understanding of coverages is really important. And these are all things that just tick, box, tick, 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 tick for Brian Flores. You know, the ability to see plays as they unfold and peel off his man in coverage. You saw him do it over and over and over again. Um, I just really, and, and like even as a corner, you know, he can flip his hips, he can run, you know, good play strength. He stays in phase down the field. Um, I just, 
I, 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 I really, really liked him. He obviously opted out of 2020. And I actually would have liked to go and see him play back as a pure free safety. But, you know, he's such a Swiss army knife that, you know, a team like Miami is just going to make just huge use of him. Um, and he's got NFL bloodlines. His dad played in the NFL for the 49ers for three years, played in, in Canada with the BC Lions and, and the Eskimos. Um, a leader, a real thinker off the field as well. Um, I just and the the coaching staff up there absolutely loved him. He was really highly highly regarded. So to me, that was uh, that was an absolute slam dunk for me. Just 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 a personal favorite player, one of my favorite favorite players in the entire draft. And um, yeah, I, I love that pick. Yeah, I Is think he related uh, to I, Justin Holland. I'm just quick quick question. Do you know? I'm not sure. You know? Not sure. That's a good question, right? Yeah, I, I was Same thinking. Defense. You know, I, I was I, I was thinking, look, he's not as good a prospect as Minka Fitzpatrick was, but this is a do-over on the Minka Fitzpatrick pick. Like, this is the guy who's versatile. He could do almost everything that they can ask him to do. Chris, your thoughts on Javon Holland? Well, I don't know if they would have taken I, – I can't – I cannot pretend – I don't think any of us can pretend to know whether they would have taken Javante Williams or Javon yeah. Holland if they were both available, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're not – You know, We're we, not Denver we Bronco uh, insiders. Yeah, right. But I mean, we're not, well, we're not, you know, we're just, we're just not going to do that. We're not going to be able to say, say that. Um, I will tell you what I had heard and what I knew, you know, what I knew, um, which is that heading into the day, you know, I was, I was separately told as were you guys that, um, that they had tried to get back up in that first round and, and take a running back and it failed. And the feeling was one of, you know, essentially deflation because they, because they, they didn't manage to do that deflation about the position uh, about the running back position. And so it was like, don't be so sure that they're really going to get J Javante Williams, even if they, even if he's available at that, at that pick, because the, you know, the bloom was off the rose really at the running back position. Once they, they failed to uh, get back up for, um, you know, it was implied to me that they could have gotten back up for Najee Harris too, but um, but they they failed to get those guys, and so you know I'm not sure that was actually a priority. It certainly wasn't a priority if you think about it from this standpoint, which is that um, the Denver Broncos moved up, I believe, from 40 to 35, and all it cost them was a, a mid fourth round pick, mm -hmm. right? Miami moved up from 50 to 42 to get Liam Eikenberg later, and that cost us a third round pick. So yeah. Miami had no urgency. They got, they got Javante Williams taken one pick before them because they had no urgency about Javante Williams. Now, does that mean that they wouldn't have taken him at 36? I can't, again, I can't say that. I can say that Javon Holland seems pretty convinced that he was the pick all along. Um, you know, and, and Simon, Simon told us that too, uh, you know, from, from Javon Holland's Instagram stories. Um, mm -hmm. He seemed, he seemed to believe that, the Dolphins had signaled him that weeks ago, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I think that, you, you know, I can't say one way or the other flip a coin, who knows what I can say is they clearly weren't feeling very much urgency about it because if they were, if they were, they would have traded. Uh, and they showed that willingness to trade later on with Liam Eikenberg. So, um, and, and the price that Denver paid was easily beatable. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, one way or another, it just wasn't urgent as we might've, as fans felt it should be because we're all like running back, running back, what the hell are you doing at running back? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think 
you know, one way or the Javon Holland's probably the best safety in the draft for them. I don't know if, you know, everybody's mileage may vary about, you know, Trevon Merrick and, and Javon Holland, but um, I thought he was, I thought he was probably the best. I, you know, I had issues with, uh, with Merrick. I thought that, um, you know, schematically he wouldn't have been a fit here. Um, I think that Javon Holland is a perfect fit here. I, I don't know whether he's going to be a Patrick Chung or whether he's going to be a Devin McCourty, but he's going to be something, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, um, and, and so I think that, uh, you know, I said this before, I don't see him playing free safety right away as a rookie. Like I don't th- see him taking Bobby McCain's spot, which is 80% free safety. Um, because, you know, like Simon pointed out 2019, he played a total of 24 snaps at free safety or split safety, you know? Um, and it was, it was all box. It was all slot. It was, or defensive line, you know, corner. It was, uh, it was all up there, uh, near the line of scrimmage. And, uh, and then if you go back to 2018, yeah, he did play some snaps at free safety, free safety, nearly 300 snaps. Um, and he did well, you know, that he got interceptions there. He, that's, that's part of the appeal of him. Uh, and, and maybe in the long run, they'll revisit that. But when they line him up in 2021, it'll have been three years since he did that. And realistically, I don't think the Dolphins are like, you know, yeah, it's been three years since you've done this, but, and you're a young rookie that who opted out of 2020 and, you know, there's, there's things that go with that, but yeah, we're just going to go ahead and move you to this 80% free safety spot that you have, that you haven't played in like three years. So um, I don't think that's going to happen, but, uh, but right away, he's going to compete with Eric Rowe. He's going to compete with Brandon Jones. Uh, this is a three safety defense. Um, they've got four guys. They're going to be competing for, for playing time. And, uh, and then we'll see long run. Would it surprise me if he was playing deep more often? And, you know, the, that combination of free safety and slot that we've seen with like a Devin McCourty, that wouldn't surprise me, you know, that, that, at all. Um, but, you know, you got options. He was clearly a guy. Again, Brian Flores was clearly excited about this guy. <laughs> you just watch his body language and what, <laughs> what he's what he's looking like i mean he was excited about this guy so um so yeah i think be prepared for the idea that <laughs> javante williams wouldn't have been the pick that's all i've been trying to tell people um and, but i think that the dolphins did a pretty good pretty good job here yeah and at this point in the draft uh reed humphrey begins to float and you're thinking to yourself you know what maybe it happens at 50 Maybe the Dolphins could just sit there at 50 and take Creed Humphrey. And then, then we're really going to start patting ourselves in the back because then we're getting guys that we had at the top of each position group at every position of need, right? But that's not what happens. They trade up from 50 to 42. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, what are they going to do here? They take Liam Eikenberg. Now, Simon, I saw Liam Eikenberg play. Uh, my thoughts were he's a really good left tackle, but they're taking him. And at that point I was completely confused. Cause I was thinking to myself, okay, you took a guy at 18 last year. And now that guy's going to be the right tackle, or is this guy going to play left guard? What are they going to do with him? It's become clear now that they're going to move him the right tackle. At least that's what the heavy rumor around the beat is saying your thoughts on Liam Eikenberg at 42. Um, I thought so. He's a really, really good player. Um, and it harks back to what we've always said, stop overlooking good college players. You know, just really consistent, hardworking, battle-tested, um, you know, solid down-to-down player who plays calm, who plays under control, 
three-year starter, uh, didn't allow a sack on 400-plus pass-blocking snaps last year, just goes out, does his job, snap after snap, game after game. And and a bit like we talked about Jalen Phillips, you know, maybe not being the fastest or the strongest or the best against the run or the, whatever. Eichenberg is the same. He's not the fastest or the strongest or the most athletic, but he's just got the right makeup. He understands when to short-set guys, when to jump on them and uses that physical ability uh, as an asset. He understands when to use those powerful hands uh, or to cut off angles. Um, I, I actually, he, he reminded me a little bit sometimes of Mitchell Schwartz in, in terms mm. of mm. some of his traits. Um, and actually, you know, I think he's a better run blocker than he is in pass pro. He can play a little high sometimes, but you know, that's, that, that, that's all coachable. Um, you know, he leaves his chest a little bit um, open, but I mean, I just, I think he's a really good player. I mean, I go back and look at 2019 and watch some of the take there. And he had some false start issues in 2019, but in 2020, I mean, I think he had three penalties in 2020 in total. He was a bit limited physically, but I think, you know, I think you can play him left tackle. I think if Jackson goes, I think Jackson will be the left tackle. I think if he gets, if Jackson gets hurt, you've got a ready-made left tackle that you can kick straight in. You know, without missing a beat, we're not talking about Julian Davenport here. We're not. To, we're talking about a guy who played three years at Notre Dame, you know, at left tackle uh, and was one of the best in the country at doing so. Um, so yeah, I think he's a great pick. I think he'll play right side, um, and I think you know you'll ha- certainly have a an offensive line uh, to me that will go Austin Jackson, Solomon Kindley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, and there's some tough fuckers in there. I tell you, you know, those two guards and Eikenberg will punch you in the mouth all day long. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought Eichenberg was a follow-up excellent pick. And look, you give up a third round the next year, it is what it is. You know, some teams moved up and got better value. Some teams moved up and got worse value. We kind of felt a little bit in the middle. I think you know it's a, it's a fair chunk to give up. But in five years' time, if Liam Eichenberg is doing what we think he can do, then you know, at the end of the day, it's just a third round pick. Yeah. Now, Simon, uh, I'm I say this all the time. Liam Eikenberg make, made his name as a very good left tackle in college, but now he's going to play right tackle in the NFL, and we don't know anything about him as a right tackle. Ease my concerns there. I mean, you're just going to find out when he plays. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you, that's a cheesy kind of cop out, but it, it is what it is. And it may be that, you know, he struggles there and they maybe try Austin Jackson at, at right tackle and Eichenberg at left tackle. I, but I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a massively big transition for a guy who's played so long is a cerebral player who understands angles, who understands leverage to be able to kick him out to, to, to the right side. And I think that's where, where he'll get his first start. Look, you know, um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think that's probably how it will play out. Chris? Well, you brought up a good comparison with Mitchell Schwartz, actually. He played on the left side at Cal. Mm, you know? He did, yeah. Um, so uh, I think that that's a good comparison. The guy you, you reminded me of, I, I'm watching him. It's, it's sort of you, got, you get a little bit tickled in the back of your mind, and a lot of times that happens, and I go ahead, I, I go ahead and watch the old footage just to, just to see, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, no, not, not really. That's not really true. Um, but in this case, it was. And that he, he, he looks exactly like Matt Light to me. Mm. Um, he's, he's like a spitting image of Matt Light. And the way that he plays, the style that he plays, the limitations that he has, and he does have limitations. The people that have a problem with the pick 
those that's the problem is the limitations the arm length you know um does he have is he is he highly athletic um like some of the other guys out there you know i would have personally taken dylan raddens but again this is about 2021 because who's going to be better in 2021 dylan raddens or liam eikenberg liam eikenberg all day you know mm-hmm. and uh, and i think that um i think that you know that's what this is about and that's why miami paid a premium to uh to actually go up and and make this happen is because he was one of a handful of guys and i think that i think that um alex leatherwood was probably another one but <laughs> look where he went he went 17 overall um one of a handful of guys that they could trust to play right now right away 2021 slip into that right tackle spot and just just go to work and that's what he is he is highly highly dependable player um he has that he has that sort of uh that two-hand punch style um which you know there's a good and bad of that i know some Mm -hmm. some you know people consider that to be a um a a high risk high reward style of uh of punching uh the seahawks have done it in the past um you know with uh with um cable uh you know uh, tom cable is their uh, offensive line coach and and we have lemuel jean pierre as our um as our offensive line coach he's a tom cable understudy um and so i wonder how much uh, lemuel jean pierre had to do with this uh with with this pick because you know it just seems there's a there's a fit there with um with the style and uh and his punch is is you know what he works with and he just keeps working the guy's not going to be get beat to the inside you know, that's the part of the dependability factor. And this is a very New England mindset. Um, you, you can work with guys that have limitations, can be beat by outside pass rushers. Uh, the quarterback can step up into the pocket. The quarterback can get the ball out because outside speed rush takes time to get home. Um, offensive coordinators, if they can, they can predict which guys are going to give your guy trouble if he has that sort of, that sort of limitation and, and you can account for it. You can't account for inconsistency. You can't account for a guy that's going to give you something different every snap after snap, you know. So, um, so I think that this is this is very much in the mold of a Matt Light, a New England player that can get beat to the outside, um, but you can account for that. Your quarterback can account for that, and your coaches can account for that. When I see him play, you know, I I, I told people, you know, I've watched him, I've watched him go up against, um, you know, a number of pass rushers. Say, you know, the Duke the Duke pair, um, the Duke pair with. Uh, with um what's rump, his name Chris, Chris, yeah Demuka J um and Rumpf I've seen him go against Janarius Robinson and Josh Kando Florida State you know I've seen him go against Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones Pitt you know I've seen him go against Will Anderson and Chris Christopher Allen of Alabama and I've seen him up against Aziz Ajilari and Malik Herring and Josh Uchi and Quiddy Pay from Michigan you know he, he's got a resume on him and he he hadn't allowed a sack in two years <laughs> against all those guys. I mean, Penny Soul wishes he had that resume. I mean, to be, yeah. to be fair. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's, that's really says something about him, but it also says something about his style and how you can really account for that. Like you can account for that limitation. And the guy, the one guy in all that group that gave him the most trouble was Josh Uchi, which is totally predictable. <laughs> you know, to, Josh Uchi is a super fast, outside speed rusher you know and and that's and and that's what he is he is in the mold of a Cameron Wake or a Brandon Graham somebody like that and um and if and and yet did Josh Uchi ever get home in that game no he didn't 
you know, and, and why is that? Because you can account for that. And so I think the dependability factor means he's going to move to right, right side, because a guy that's dependable is the most likely to be able to move, right? Um, just take on a different position, do something, do something, um, you know, that, that takes a little bit of risk. That dependability factor is high. That's why he's going to be blocking to his blind side. That's why he's going to be the one to move, not Austin Jackson. And, um, and I, I think that it was a really good pick for them, for the Miami Dolphins. It's really 2021 immediate, uh, you know, immediate dividends move. And I will say this, I'll finish up with this. I've been told definitively that he's the right tackle, that he's, that he's, he's slide, mm-hmm. he's moving over to right tackle and he's the, um, you know, he's the favorite. He, he could lose it. You know, anybody can lose it, can lose their job, but, um, but that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Matt Light. And so I, I, I did some digging uh, during the week when you were mentioning that he's a, he's a pretty good comparison to, to Matt Light. You know, Matt Light had a two-year period where he only gave up six sacks. He gave up five of them to Jason Taylor. <laughs> which was if you remember back uh back then matt light was an all-world left tackle against everybody except jason taylor who used to yep. own him for whatever reason every time that they played well jason taylor what was he right yeah speed Outside rusher speed. speed rusher good quick sudden hands mm-hmm. all right so now at this point Reed Humphrey is a memory because he's he goes to Kansas City at 63. And wow, what a job. There was not too long ago where I would say it was uh maybe what a month and a half ago where we were calling the, the Kansas City Chiefs a bunch of clowns with what they're doing with their offensive line. Well, it's a month and a half later, and the entire offensive line is rebuilt. <laughs> and I and this is the final piece. They take Creed Humphrey at 63. So he's a memory, but Quinn Miners still there. And he starts to float. Dolphins are on the clock, number 81 overall. And they take Hunter Long, head end, <laughs> Boston College. I was completely confused by it. Simon tried to make some sense of it. And I don't know. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about his fit on a future show. But make some sense of this pick at 81. Um, for me, it was a bit of a strange one, a bit of a head scratcher. I tweeted it was a bit of a head scratcher at the time. Um, I don't know if it's a longer term move in terms of what they're looking at with Mike Gasicki, with Durham Smythe. Um, I, I struggle with this one because I personally thought Tommy Tremble, who was still on the board at the, at the time, was a better mm. tight end. Um, just so much upside and, and just the best blocking tight end. I mean, he's an absolute monster in the as a blocker, um, which is obviously what Durham Smythe does well. Uh, I mean, look, the the thing with Long is that, you know, he is targeted, he can play, you know, in line, he can block, he does everything, he does the little things well. 75% of the time he has a hand in the ground, he gets some movement in the run game. He's that kind of short, intermediate area tight end, and you're not going to mistake him for Kellen Winslow or, you know, Travis Kelsey. But he can work a little vertically down the seam and beat linebackers. I, I think the the one thing that I was really disappointed about and that, you know, it, it was the game against Notre Dame and he was utterly erased by Jeremiah Rousseau-Koromoa in that game. Mm-hmm. And he really needed him to show up big and he just, you know, he just disappeared completely. You know, I think his ceiling's probably like Austin Hooper. Um, you know, a sort of solid number two with some versatility. Uh, he's, uh, 
uh, to me though it was a it was a strange pick and I, I I can't he wouldn't have been the top player on my board at that point I I will say that but you know look we'll we'll wait and see how it plays out I think he's probably it's another target for two it's that short intermediate and you know you throw in a Will Fuller you throw in a Mike Gasicki you throw in a Jalen Phillip uh, Jalen Waddle well all of a sudden things are going to get open for Hunter Long. Do you know what I mean? So he might be a, a you know an interesting beneficiary. I just would have preferred Tommy Tremble, I think. Yeah, my confusion comes in that I think they already have this guy on the roster and his name is Adam Shaheen. And I don't know. Uh, maybe he is insurance. Like you said, he could be insurance for Dern Smythe and Mike Kosecki. Maybe that's what they're thinking a year down the road. Chris, at 81, they're passing on – forget about the running backs because – we know they don't care about the running back position, but they are passing on Quinn Miners. They are passing on Jabril Cox. They're passing on Baron Browning, a lot of our favorites. They take Hunter Long. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. You know, initially, we're all pretty confused by it, I think. Not not what we were expected. Um, so baseline, you've got, a, you've got an issue with Durham Smith. He's People mentioned that Mike Kosicki's on the last year of his contract. Well, you know, Durham Smith was taken in the same draft. So, so, so he's on the last year of his contract too. Yeah. Um, is Durham Smith the kind of guy you give a second contract to when he's, when he's sort of a dime a dozen blocker um, that doesn't, you know, in the passing game, what's Durham Smith ever going to do? He's going to maybe get open against a two down plugging linebacker that somehow you manage to isolate into uh, man coverage. Um or he's just going to catch it in zone because the defense gave it to you. Um, or, or there's some sort of misdirection that, that, you know, snagged the defense. And, um, and so he's open. Like that's, that's all he's ever going to do in the passing game. Those guys are kind of a dime a dozen. And so why are you going to give a big, uh, you know, not a big, con- but a second contract is always involves a pay raise. Why are you going to do that uh, when you can just, you know, just keep replacing that guy? Um, he, Durham Smith, as I recall, was there, they traded up to get him in the fourth round. This guy was taken in the third round. It's not really that far apart. So if, if, if that's your baseline, he's going to replace Durham Smith. When Durham Smith graduates, uh, then, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. That's your baseline. But I kind of think that there might be something else going on. And um, it's, it's not for sure. And everybody will have to play it out and we'll see. But when I look at what they're doing with Will, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker at the wide receiver unit, I think that they're becoming – they're turning into more of a high-volume three-wide receiver team, mm-hmm. uh, getting the ball to those three guys. And I think about my you know 20 years of watching the NFL, and I think those teams, the tight end that works with them, doesn't often look like Mike Gesicki. No. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's more of a classic – it's more of a classic guy that you think about this. Jalen Waddle is deadly on the over route, right? You know, he just, just running cross field. Um, and the more, the more distance somebody has to cover him, it's just, it's just hopeless, but you know what? It takes a while to get that ball out. It takes a while to get that ball out on that, that over route. Um, if you got, if your tight end is Mike Gesicki, who you never want to hold in to block um, to pass protect, then you know, how do you get, how do you get your quarterback that time to hit it? I mean, it could be a deadly route if you, if you get it there. So, but there, there's a lot of different routes that are that way with both Will Fuller deep and Jalen Waddle. And because it's not all quick hitters and screens, you know, it can't be. 
uh, if you want to run a mature passing offense. And so I kind of think that there's um, there might be some friction between a Mike Gesicki type player and the direction that they're going with the uh, wide receivers and Will Fuller and Jalen Waugh. That's something to keep an eye on. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, and, and then Hunter Long, you know, why I'm sure he was TE tight end number one on their board. Mm. Um, if you consider Kyle Pitts to be more of a wide receiver, if you knock him out of it, um, then, then Hunter Long was probably tight end one. And he's got an attractiveness to the way he runs. It's the way he runs. He's a good runner. Um, he is a good athletic runner, uh, very balanced foot contact, you know, speed stride, everything. He runs those over routes too. He gets open you know, and, um, and he can, he can, and he's very big. Like he's got a great frame. Uh, I know that Scott Pioli right after the draft would, you know, he had a comment that he said, this guy's a pro bowler in two years or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he said that was the best take pick of, of anybody on day two. Um, and, you know, the Miami dolphins taking Hunter long. So I, that's, that's kind of baseline. Yeah. Durham Smith rep- slides right in when Durham Smith graduates, or maybe even this year. Um, but maybe more, maybe more, because uh, because if we start to focus on getting high volume out to the Will Fuller and Jalen Fuller and Jalen Waddle and um, and Devontae Parker, then we're going to need more of a tight end like uh, like Hunter Long and looks like Hunter Long and looks less like Mike Gesicki. Yeah, and at Dude this catches point, everything by the way. Yeah, he does. Yeah, although if I, you watch him running in the open field, he does look like he's running with, with sandals. Uh, he has yeah. that. Uh, that Jason Witten looked to him. He's, he's not the, the most graceful strider. No, I think, I think he's a good, I, I think he's a good runner. I think he, I think he runs, I think he runs with balance balance and good con, uh, foot contact on the ground. I think that um, he strides well, you know, he strides really well and he gets open on those on, on routes where he's able to stride. And then he's good after the catch because he's so big and strong and, you know, and, and he's also a good runner. I think he's an all around, very attractive runner. Um, Witten's a nice him. comparison, actually. Witten. Yeah, I think so. I think a that's nice right. comparison. Well, if he's Jason Witten, then this is the best pick of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Cause Jason Witten's headed to the hall of fame. At least I think he is. All right. So at this point, Ro- uh, Flor- coach Flores and Chris Greer, they're sitting by the pool and they're having a nice scotch. I would say a nice scotch <laughs> with a little lime and, you know, ice because it was pretty hot this weekend. Okay. And the interns have rolled into the draft room and they all have their favorites and they're all going to take their guys. Every year, the Dolphins take one guy that I always say, I don't know who the hell that is. Number 231, 231 overall, Larnell Coleman. I don't know who that is, Simon. Who is he? <laughs> well, I mean, you know who he is now. Well, I know who he is now, but when they took him, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the okay. I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, I was, um, I was like, are they just going to continue to ignore running back forever? I mean, it's almost yeah. like they're like, um, it felt like they were, um, they were just doing it on purpose, like it was <laughs> yeah. almost humorous. They were like, they think we're going to take a running back. Well, we're not, we're going to take this unbalanced guy from UMass and you can <laughs> suck our balls. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd seen I'd seen him play, but he hadn't made my list. I mean, he um, I thought he was going to be an undrafted free agent, um, but I mean, look, he started for three years uh, at both positions, and he's long. God, he's long. It's like really yeah. long mm-hmm. arms. Um, I think I remember. I might have to check while I'm talking, but I think Lance Zierling 
said that he gave him a sort of Dennis Daly comparison, which is probably a good one. I think he just needs some technique work. I think he plays, he's really off balance, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I don't think he's amazing in pass protection. Um, he's quite athletic. He can, um, he's got decent feet. He's got decent hands, but it, it doesn't always come together. Do you know what I mean? In terms of all at the same time, I think there's, um, there's a lot of work then that needs to be done. And, and frankly, I'll be surprised if, um, if Lionel Coleman makes the roster. Mm. Chris, he, he plays on his heels. He plays on yeah. his heels a lot. Like that's what you mean by unbalanced to me. Um, when I'm looking at him, and it's 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 not a good look because you know he's going to get powered. Um, and I, I think that he's not, you know, he's not overly good with his hands. He's clearly got the long frame, and and he's got enough. Af- I wouldn't call him a great athlete, but he's got enough athleticism. He's got NFL tackle level athleticism. And, uh, and a great frame. And maybe that's all it is. But, I, you know, one thing I pointed out to you guys is is Hunter Long's um, pro day at Boston College was on March 26th. And believe it or not, uh, Brian Flores was there. And Boston College had 12 players working out, but really only one of them was draftable. And yet I have a funny coach, comment on that. We did yeah, a your podcast. Head, your on head it. coach was there. So. Yeah, we, we did. a. Uh, I have a funny comment on that. We did a podcast on it. And you said uh flores was at the boston college pro day and i said on air why yeah exactly (laughs) now we know why (laughs) now we know why but but on the on that very same day two hours away in amherst uh uh, larnell collins was at his pro day um at uh at umass so you know who who was on who was on the the scouting trip with uh with brian flores because one was one was clearly at boston college and and somebody else was at amherst so um i think that uh i think that you know as you said this is somebody's this is somebody's guy this is somebody you know that that somebody someone in a room pounded the table for um maybe chris greer who is a umass alum who knows um, so, uh, I, I just think that it's, I, I watch him play and I, I'm not seeing it. I, I don't think he's very well balanced. I think that, um, he, it, it's gonna, if, if it does happen for him, it's certainly not going to be this year. Um, it's certainly not, you know, it's going to be, it's going to take a bit and, um, he'll, he'll be battling his way. He'll be competing. All right. And at this point, I'm barely paying attention to the draft, but I am aware enough that they have one more pick and Kylan Hill is for whatever reason still on the board. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if they draft him here at 244, I'm prepared to go on the, on the, on, on the mm. podcast on Wednesday and say, man, they got my guy. I think this guy's going to be a really nice player. They don't. Kylan Hill goes to green Bay about 12 picks after that, which says a lot about how these guys think about running backs as far as the league at large. Cause Kylan Hill, I thought was, you know, maybe a fourth round pick, but no, he goes in the seventh round. Dolphins take a running back though. They take Jared Dokes of Cincinnati, who I saw play a ton and never occurred to me that he was, I would say draftable because he's not particularly fast. He stumbles toward the hole. Simon, your thoughts on Jared Dokes. I think he's interesting. Um, You know, he sort of, he has good pass pro tape. I will say that he has good pass pro tape. He's had some injuries, you know, he had a hernia, he had a leg injury, he missed a lot of time with um, with injuries, and he um, he backed up the kid whose name escapes when he was drafted last year. I mean, he ran a four five zero, 
he's big and he's thick and he's got kind of build up speed, I think. And, um, you know, some of his tape, you think, okay, you could be the, you know, everybody's looking for that James Robinson kind of undrafted free agent running back. And, you know, he can pinball off tacklers when he's on the move. And, um, you know, he's, he understands pass protection and blitz pickups and, uh, and those sorts of things. I think he can look a little bit lethargic foot wise at times. Um, and he's not a sort of a run to daylight in terms of, yeah, he lacks a bit of savvy, I think in terms of, um, finding the right lane and, and, um, you know, he's also, and also he puts the ball on the carpet, um, a few times, which is going to be an issue. I, I mean, again, I think Kylan Hill, um, there was that, he got suspended last year for something that happened at the end of the Kentucky game. And I mm. think that probably has not sat particularly well with some teams, which is why he fell. Um, but look, it's an interesting running back room, you know, Malcolm Brown, Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, you know, where does Gerald Dokes fit in there? Where Gerald Dokes fit in that? Can he, you know, can he make a team? Can he make the roster? You know, they're looking for, you know, Malcolm Brown's 5'11", 226. This kid is what, 5'11", 228. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the two, you know, it, it really is thunder and lightning when you compare how small Gaskin and Ahmed is. But kind of came away from the draft thinking that, you know, the one-two punch of Malcolm Brown and, and Miles Gaskin is going to be the way that they're going to go. And that's the hill they're prepared to die on. So, and, and I suppose you have to look back at the Patriots, you know, that that's that very much running back by committee, you know, free agents up until really the, t- the time they drafted Sony Michelle, they didn't invest a huge amount in the running back position, but they just got it done. Obviously it helps when you have Tom Brady at quarterback. Um, you know, we don't have that yet. So they were, we they just... were so burned by Lawrence Maroney that it took yeah. them forever to try, to try and do that <laughs> yeah. again. I mean, I remember that dude that, that, that dude that turned up ran for 138 yards on Monday night football and barely and played again. It was just like, banished yeah. forever. I forgot his name. Yeah. yeah Jonas Gray. Jonas, Jonas Gray. Gray. Yeah. It was the he Dolphins. ended up on our roster. Yeah. He was he on the Dolphins. He did. You know, we never saw any of that action, but you know, whether that was Brandon Bolden, whether it was, you know, whoever they just dudes just turned up, picked up yardage, you know, one game scored touchdowns. You never heard from them again. And that's just what they did. So you just, you just don't know. There's a, you know, there's clearly going to be an interesting battle for that fourth. It was interesting. They didn't bring any free agents in at running back. I thought they would have brought a few in, but you know, clearly there were some kids that didn't get drafted, you know, Stevie Scott's uh, and people like that, where you thought, you know, you'd have a look, you know, you'd see, (laughs) you'd see what's there, but clearly they just, they just don't give a fuck about the position the way that we all clearly give a fuck. But yeah. Yeah. Chris, I mean, they Jared passed Dokes. on Jer- they passed on Jamar Jefferson. They did, to, yeah. You know, for Jared Dokes, yeah, because um, he went he went the he was the last running back taken. So it was just it was Kylan Hill and Jamar Jefferson. Both of them were were kind of um, favorites of of some of us on the podcast mm. and um, and a lot of people. So uh, it's it's a real you know it's a head scratcher for some people. Uh, when I look at him play, uh, listen, when you have the system that, that Simon just described where you don't know whether it's going to be Miles Gaskin or Savan Ahmed or, um, or Michael uh, is Brown. Is it Michael Brown? Malcolm, Malcolm uh, Brown. Malcolm Brown, sorry. Um, Malcolm Brown. Um, you don't know whether it's that. You, have, you, you feel like you have four running backs, which really just means you have no running backs. Um, then, then, yeah, Jared Dokes is going to be part of that carousel. Uh, I look at him play. He's got the requisite size and the requisite strength and the requisite long speed, really, um, to be trust, trustworthy. I mean, you, you can trust his tape at pass protection. 
because of his size and strength. He's six foot, 230, you know, um, because of that, you, you can trust that, uh, that pass protection in him. So he's going to get in there. He's going to play and he's going to be part of the carousel. And, um, and that's, uh, that's the way it's going to be. But do I see consistent success coming from him? I would be surprised. I think he, he runs unbalanced. I think he's, um, he's herky jerky when he tries to, when he tries to cut, uh, I think that when he's, when he's going through, you know, kind of when he's running through traffic, uh, he reminds me of like, um, you know, when you spin a quarter and it gets toward the end of its spin and it's kind of wobbly, like that's, yeah. that's the way he, that's the way he runs. I mean, he's got that duck waddle through traffic. I mean, it's, it's, um, and then he tries to cut and he, he gets jammed up and, you know, almost falls. And it's just, I don't, I don't see it for him in the long term. Um, you know, I'm, I hope to be wrong here. Uh, he was overshadowed by the guy you were trying to think of. Um, Simon was uh, Michael Warren. He was overshadowed by Michael Warren earlier in his Cincinnati career. And, and then really this year, I thought he got uh, overshadowed by Jerome Ford as well, uh, who was a freshman. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm a little bit surprised like Simon that they didn't, you know, we haven't heard about an undrafted free agent running back. Um, I kind of wonder if there's a shoe to drop somewhere in the trade market. Uh, you know, which would sort of explain all this. Like we were, we were sitting there going nuts about the wide receiver position and free agency until all of a sudden Will Fuller signed, and it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, who knows what's going on there? Um. I don't really think you know. I don't have a lot of hopes for Jared Dokes. I think, but I do think that he is going to run on Sundays, uh, mostly because we don't have very great running backs. And, um, and he'll take his turn. He'll have his, he'll have his game or two games, maybe even where it's like, Ooh, you know, Jared Dokes ran for 75 yards on 16 carries. You know, maybe he's the guy. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's it. All right. And as far as undrafted free agents, uh, Simon call Tucker guy, we saw play a lot at Alabama, Jalen Askew, cornerback from Georgia tech. I don't know much about him. Jerome Johnson. I do know about uh, defensive tackle of Indiana, Robert Jones guard, Middle Tennessee, any thoughts on any of those guys? Do any of those stick? Yeah, the last guy. Um, I, I think he's a very interesting player, actually. And I was quite, I was pretty surprised he went undrafted, uh, if I'm completely honest, because I, I think he has a shot at making the team. I mean, this is a kid who went to the to the Juco route, played at Highland Community College in Kansas, where he played guard. He also started a right tackle uh, for Middle Tennessee State, but will kick inside. I think he's a power player who works really well in that sort of phone booth area. You watch him against Iowa and against Michigan back in 2019, and this is a good player going up against good players. You know, you watch him against Rashan Gary. You know, he's a little bit slow-legged. He's a little bit slow out of his stance. But if he gets his hands on you, then, you know, he's a power force. And actually, I wrote that, you know, he's a powerful guy who has a bit of Robert Hunt to his game. Um he added 15 pounds in 2020 and actually I think it affected his quickness a bit, but to me, he was, um, I thought it was a very interesting player. He had a really, really tough childhood growing up. He had, uh, grew up in a, in, in the South side of Chicago and actually had to leave and go and live with sort of out in Illinois to get away from the neighborhood because, um, it, it was pretty serious, I think for him. And, um, but yeah, he, um, he is a, um, he's an interesting player. He ended last season in concussion protocol, actually, and he had quite a nasty shoulder injury in 2019. But he, this is a heavy-handed kid who I think will really compete as a as a guard. Um, and wouldn't surprise me if they gave him a look at centre, actually. I mean, he's tall. He's big. He's six foot five. So, um, but I, th- I, I wouldn't surprise me if he, to me, he's competing with Michael Dieter and 
I might be inclined to go with a kid if he can show up at training camp and, and start stunning people with those big hands. Chris, any thoughts on any of the UDFAs? Well, you know, as Robert, or as uh, Simon said, Robert Jones, it's just like, it's, it's, it's so up there, alley. Uh, <laughs> and we, we, when, when they signed DJ Fluker, you know, we made, I made the joke and you, you mentioned it on Twitter too. It's like, they certainly have a type. Um, Robert Jones is that type. So, um, so I, I don't know if it's going to work out for him. I don't know if he's uh, quite athletic enough, but he's certainly a mauler. Um, he is a grave digger. Um, the guy, the guy will bury people, um, all the time, you know, and that's, so that's, we're going to see how it works out. Um, but, uh, the guy actually that I would, you know, bring up, draw up because he might actually make the roster, um, in the way that Chandler Cox made the roster and that, um, that, you know, Brian Flores seems to be a guy who will always keep a fullback here, you know, um, because he's just that kind of coach. Um, and that's Carl Tucker. And, um, and I, I had a, I had a scout, you know, uh, share with me his scouting report on Carl and, you know, he, he really, you know, he's like one of the, one of his quotes to me is you have to be pretty fucking good for Nick Saban to take you as a grads transfer, especially as an <laughs> H back coming off an ACL. Yeah. Um, you know, that's so, so, I mean, he's, he, he was clearly a favorite of, of Nick Saban's and, um, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I could I could share the report, but you know, the guy probably wouldn't want me to do that. But um, he's he's a really strong player, um, and and I think that you could see that make the roster. I mean, that's he's going to be competing with Chandler Cox, and um, and don't be surprised. And so so I'd keep an eye on him. Didn't Cox get cut? I thought Cox had been got cut. Did he? I, I know yeah. he's on the roster so, several times in the year. Yeah, no, he's definitely off the roster now. He's off. He's off it now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's not going to be competing with Joe Cox or with uh, Chandler Cox. Then. Um, maybe Seathan Carter? Is, is that? Is yeah. That, you know, yeah. So. Yeah, Carl. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what. Seathan, um, yeah, Seathan Carter's going to get looks there. Yeah, say. he will. But um, but at the same time, you know, Flores seems like he's just going to want to keep a guy like this. So, and this guy's more of a fullback than I think Seaton Carter is. So, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you look at this UDFA list, and it's a it's a who's who of of guys. Like you know, if they wanted a quarterback for their quarterback room, uh, Ellinger actually actually got drafted. Jamie Newman was an undrafted free agent. So I guess they had a shot there, but Dylan Moses made it as the UDFA. You know, Borregales didn't get drafted. It's an interesting UDFA list. I guess we could go through it uh, on a future date, but we are back to one show a week, ladies and gentlemen. We give you a big one this week. Like, as I look at the clock, it says one hour and 10 minutes. That's a pretty good draft recap show. All right, that's it. There is no more. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.